You're listening to a sermon preached at Meridian Church. For more information about Meridian Church, visit meridianchurch.com. It is our hope that this sermon is used by the Holy Spirit to minister to you the grace and peace found in Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. And now, here's your sermon audio. Copy of your Bible with you this morning. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Title of the message for the oxen stumbled. It's a familiar passage. I'm sure most everyone here is familiar with it. I look around the crowd, see a lot of familiar faces. I know that you're readers of your Bible and studiers of the Word and listen to the same preachers I listen to, most of you. So you've probably heard this. This is a message actually that I had written years ago, and I'll, I'll share a little. I'll share a little testimony. I'll give you a, a few moments there to find Second Samuel chapter six. Uh, as as a as a preacher, as a as a lay preacher like I am, uh, there there have been times in in my life when, just in my everyday study, my my reading and prayer that I do fairly consistently. I'm not going to stand here and act like I'm spiritual, but fairly consistently. Uh, there have been times in my life when, when I would just stumble upon a text and, and the Lord would just begin to just burn it like it's a fire in my gut. And, and there have been times when I told my wife even, somebody's fixing to ask me to preach. I'm fixing to have to preach for somebody because this thing is just bubbling up inside of me. And, uh, and I've been right about that at times. And, and most every time. But then there are other times, and, and this is one of them. I'll, I'll be, I, I, I prayed that the Lord would make me transparent before His, shirt, His church one time for, for a number of months. It was a conviction of mine, and I prayed, Lord, make me transparent. And I seasoned that prayer with, but have mercy on me. <laughs> Don't expose me in a way that's an embarrassment to you, Lord. But there are times when and this is one of them, uh, I've known for several weeks, I've, I've known for a month I was going to preach today, and, and my study right now is in 1 Thessalonians, and I kind of immediately went to that and said, well, I know it's going to be one of these three here, and, and I tried to make it work, and nothing felt right. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't get a, a rhythm in it. And so I went to, I have a, Stack of old sermons. Some of them, uh, some of them, were written when I was in my twenties, and I and I usually keep them. And and the honest truth is, to be continue to be transparent before you, the honest truth is, I was looking for a particular sermon, and it's one I've preached many times. And the honest truth is, I don't even need the notes with me. I mean, I just I know that sermon so well, and it's a good, solid sermon. I mean, it's good stuff. But the Lord began to convict me about that. You know, is, is, this, is this right for me? That since I can't get the fire inside built up, I'm just going to go to a standby that I have memorized? If you're ready for the scripture, say amen. Second Samuel chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 1 through 15. 
David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000, and David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of Yahweh of hosts who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which is on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before Yahweh with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and, and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God to take hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there be beside the ark of God. And David was angry because Yahweh had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of Yahweh that day. And he said, how can the ark of Yahweh come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of Yahweh into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of Yahweh remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And Yahweh blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told David that Yahweh had blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of Yahweh had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. And David danced before Yahweh with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of Yahweh with shouting and with the sound of the horn. Father, we come before you this day as a church body. And Lord, uh, we confess out loud before you and before uh, any spiritual being that's present, that you are God, that you are creator and sustainer of all that exists. And Father, we confess that only because you have birthed in us faith to believe it. Lord, we love you. I pray above all things, Lord, that your word would go out and perform the, the thing for which you have sent it out to perform. And I ask that, Lord, with, with a great faith inside of me because I know that you have said that you would do that in, in Isaiah. And so I'm only asking you to do what you said you would do, Lord. God, I love you. And I pray these things in the name of my Savior, the Lord Jesus. I have uh, been for some weeks now in... Uh, a little bit of a, of a theme that I've been kind of thrust into in, in my studies and in my regular reading is, is the Lord continues to, to ask me or, or to well up inside of me, how am I responding to His Word? How do I respond to the Word of God? And, and obviously the, the, the right thing is to, is to always say, well, I'll respond in obedience, but that's not, that's not always the case. 
It's not with me. I'm not always just immediately and, and easily obedient to God. Most of the time, there are questions that, that I'm a little uncomfortable saying out loud, but they're in my heart. And the thing about serving the God that I serve is He already knows. I mean, I can fake it in front of y'all to some extent, but I, but I can't fake it before the Lord. Uh, and so when I, when I come to a text like this, and as I was going through those sermons and looking through those old sermons, and I came across this, and I changed it a little bit. I've grown a little bit since I was in my 20s, outward and spiritually. Another thing that's happened too, uh, a, a lot of y'all have sat under Brother John Sherrill's preaching, and, and, and John Sherrill really taught me mechanically, he taught me how to preach. I mean, he, he's, he was my mentor at the time. He was the preacher of the gospel that was preaching when I was saved. And, and he always, he taught me to, to write my sermon on a piece of paper that would fit on my Bible and I'd make a little fold and where it would hang on my page. And, uh, you know, if that sermon got long, I just shrunk my font down. <laughs> And land sakes, I don't know how I ever saw that stuff. I, I've almost got to get a microscope out to look at some of those old sermons. So I have to rewrite those sermons now if I decide I'm going to preach one of them. I've got to go up to a 12 or a 14 and put it on a full-size page and carry my glasses up here. As I went through those sermons, and I came across this, and, and, and the Lord the Lord questioned me. How am I responding to that, to his word? How do I respond to this? We see here David chasing after the manifest presence of God. The ark of God in those days represented the manifest presence of God. Now, I'm not talking about his omnipresence. The psalmist said in the 139th Psalm, uh, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I free from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. So I'm not talking about the omnipresence of God. He is in all places. And it's not as if, it's not as if that, that word omnipresence is not teaching that that, that God has his arms stretched out across the universe and his, the tip of his right finger is at this edge of the universe and the tip of his left finger is at this edge. It's literally he is in his fullness everywhere. And so that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the, the manifest presence of God. One example of that is in Exodus chapter 40. The cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. It goes on to say Moses couldn't, couldn't enter into that place anymore. Now, there was something that, that came alive to me as I read through that, was that cloud came at the end of a tremendous length of, of obedient acts by the people of God. The Lord gave the people, His people, some very detailed instructions on how to set up the tabernacle, the dwelling place for that ark, and all of his utensils. They were very detailed. I'm sure you've read through that. And, 
and it and he laid it out and then the scripture begins to say and Moses carried this out and it carried out this plan and 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 covered the set up the candle set up the wash basin set up the the stand for the ark set up all these things and covered them and and each step of the way it said and this is exactly how God commanded to do it and Moses did it Moses had it done by the Levites and then at the end of that when all of those things had been taken care of precisely and obediently then the presence of the Lord filled the tent of meeting and so that's what I'm talking about. Is it right for me? Here's, here's the questions I came up with that my response, how ought I respond, how ought I to respond to the Word of God as I read through here? Some questions that arose in my heart. Is, it, is this right for me? Because I, I look, at, I look at the position of David in this particular spot that he's going after the ark. Now David has gone through quite a lifetime of struggling to get where God said he was going to be. The Lord sent the man of God, Samuel, to him as a, as a young man and said, I anoint you the king of Israel. Well, nothing really changed for David right there except he got his head oily. The rest of his life just kind of continued. He had to continue in faith and say, well, the Lord has chosen me to be king, and I have to wait for that. I have to go on. And so now we find him, and, and he's there. He has just, just very recently, chronologically speaking, just right before this episode, he has, Judah and Israel has been, has been united. David's been the king of Judah for eight or nine months. Now he's been crowned the king of Israel, the the people of God are united. David is their king. The word of God has come true. He's having children. We have a big list of the, of the children that the Lord has blessed him with. And then he says, let's go after the ark of God, for we never went after it for the whole reign of Saul. And so I, the question that wells up inside of me, just based on the life that the Lord has given me and the people, the men and women that he's put in my life to to teach me the things of God and the theology that I embrace, is, is that okay for me to chase after? And i and I got to confess, it, it kind of welled up inside of me as I went through here because I was fixing to preach and I was saying to the Lord, well, I'm not feeling it, Lord. So what do I do with that? Is it okay for me? Does that make me an immature believer? If I continue with my transparency before the church, I must say that that is a struggle for me. Do I, in fact, I have, uh, I have a note in my Bible that I have taken. There's some notes in my Bibles that are very special to me. And when I bought this new Bible, people stopped buying me Bibles, so I have to buy my own Bibles. Now, you know how it says at the front of it, how it says, this was presented to by... It says, to me, from me. <laughs> Nobody buys me Bibles anymore, so I had to buy my own. But when I bought this Bible, seven or eight years ago, I went through the one that I'd been carrying for 16 years, and I found some notes that are special to me that I go back and get and look at from time to time, and I, and I moved them to this Bible. There's a handwritten note 
in this Bible that I really took from my wife's. I was wanted to read one morning and I and I couldn't locate my Bible, but there was my wife's, and so for the time's sake, I picked it up and I started reading, and I was in First Samuel chapter seventeen, and this is after David has said he's going to defeat Goliath. And word gets back to King Saul. And King Saul says, well, bring him in here. I want to, I want to hear this guy's story. Because everybody's kind of shocked by it. And, and, and Saul says, what makes you think that you're going to defeat Goliath? This doesn't make sense to any of us. What makes you think that this is real? David said in 1 Samuel 17, David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear, I took the lamb from the flock and took the lamb from the flock. I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Now the note that I transpired from one Bible to the next that I really robbed from my wife's Bible says this. It says, Private victories before public victories. And see, that's a, that is is deep down in my heart. I know that there is, it's right for me to go through the mundane things of life in obedience to the Lord. It's not always a ball of fire and a big celebration. Sometimes the victory that I have with the Lord is very private. And it almost always comes out of a very mundane thing of life. And so I know that that's real. And so this question wells up, is, is it okay for me? Does it make me an immature believer if I treat the Lord as if? I can't get excited about your word today and so I'm just going to not do anything. That seems wrong to me. There's also another question that pops up. Does this align me with the charismatic crowd? If I'm chasing after some kind of a spiritual high and I don't want to seem like I'm just talking ugly, but I do want to be transparent. That always, and I come from a, I've got a lot of people, some of the people I love most on this earth come out of that crowd. So I feel like I have the right to talk about them. <laughs> Almost every bit of that theology seems to me selfish and arrogant. And I struggle my own self not making myself the center of the universe. When I'm struggling to put this together, I'm saying to the Lord, Lord, I know this is not about me. I know that if, if it's my time to preach, then proclaiming God's truth, regardless of the excitement level for me, is good and right. 
And so this, these questions well up in my mind as I study through here. I'll jump forward just a little bit and tell you the answer to the question. The answer is yes, it is good. It is good for, the peop for God's people to pursue His manifest presence. Let's look at why. Verse 6 there, what we just read. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Why is it good for me to chase after the manifest presence of God? Because my oxen are going to stumble. Your oxen are going to stumble. And so, for me to chase after God is really, the, 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 the issue here is that to chase the manifest presence of God, what the, what the people of God did in this situation was they chased the idea of the presence of God rather than chasing God Himself. As a New Testament church, it's my responsibility not to just chase after the high that comes with the manifest presence of God, but to chase Christ Himself. That is the issue. And it's right for me to pursue Christ. I had better be prepared to not make such a deadly error and the only way I can prepare myself is to be in His presence. To be filled with His Spirit. To have His Word flowing in me and out of me. Bubbling up inside me like a brook, the Word says. Here's what happens in the presence of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The train of His robe filled His temple. Above him stood seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And here's what happened to Isaiah. And he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. When we are thrust into the manifest presence of the Spirit of God, He doesn't only reveal His self. Because when we see the Lord for who He is, in turn, it is impossible to not see myself for who I am. Another example of that, Luke chapter 5. On the occasion while the crowd was pressing into him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake at Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets down. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. 
And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. When we come into the presence of the Lord, when He reveals Himself to us in that, in that special way, that manifest way, we cannot help but see ourselves in light of holiness. He is holy. The manifest presence of the Holy Spirit of God is not my good luck charm. I don't seek His manifest presence for my own victory. The way the Israelites did in this case. Now I'm not throwing them under the bus. I didn't. I wasn't throwing the charismatic crowd under the bus. And I'm not throwing the Israelites under the bus. I'm saying that man misunderstands what it is that God wants from us. He does want me to worship Him, and He is the only one that deserves my worship. When I first became a, a follower of Christ, there was a term that I used to hear a lot that I don't hear much anymore. Uh, easy believism. John MacArthur would preach these sermons and he would use this term all the time. It's easy believism. You don't come to Christ. You don't become a Christ follower like Todd said a few weeks ago. I find myself with that same struggle, Brother Todd, that, that I get angry and discontent, and, and my complaint to the Lord is, Lord, why, why aren't you giving me an easy life? Why aren't you giving me uh, some time of rest? I feel like I've got it harder than the average guy. Seeking after, chasing and pursuing the manifest presence of God is to seek God Himself. In, in the third chapter of Proverbs, He says, My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. And then there goes through this list of, of negatives. It says, If you keep sound wisdom and discretion, you'll walk securely and your foot won't stumble. If you lie down, you won't be afraid. Do not be afraid of sudden terror. Uh, the Lord will be your confidence. Do not withhold good from those who do. Uh, do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow, I'll give it. Do not plan evil against your neighbor. Do not contend with a man for no reason. Do not envy a man of violence. And then he says this, for the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. Have you ever had a best friend that you could share what you're too embarrassed to share with anyone else? Well, that individual is in your confidence. I want to make clear that I, I, 
what I'm not, I'm not saying that the Lord is embarrassed. I'm saying that He shares with His people a side of Himself that not everyone is privy to. He is merciful to His children and reveals and shares His own character with us. When I chase after, when I pursue the manifest presence of God, it has got to be so that I can know God Himself. So that I can spend time with Him. So I can get to know Him. There will be victories that come from that. It is profitable. But not always in the way that we think of profit. Not only is it good to chase after and pursue the manifest presence of God, it's good for God's people to be sober and serious concerning His manifest presence. Verses 8 and 9. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? The Lord tests our heart. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, For you yourselves, brothers, know that our coming was not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but to please God, who test our hearts. The Lord will squeeze on me as His child and say to me, why do you do what you do? I get, uh, I get attacked Many times the attack of the enemy in my life is an attack of busyness. I don't know if that happens to everybody, but it, it certainly happens to me. I get, I get attacked with busyness. And it's not even a, it's not even a, a productive busyness or a, or a profitable bus, busyness. It's more like a, I've got one foot nailed to the ground busyness. Like I'm just running and running and running and running and there's problem after problem after problem after problem that I have to solve and it begins to take up all of my time. And the Lord will say to me in the midst of that, usually after anxiety is just press, pressing down on me and the Lord will question me in my heart and say, Is this eternal? Is this an eternal thing? You know, Second Peter tells me he's going to burn all that stuff up with fire one of these days. All that stuff I'm worried about, the Lord's going to burn. <clears throat> it is good for God's people to be sober and serious about His manifest presence. He tests our hearts. He's holy. In 1 Chronicles chapter 15, we see the parallel to this account that we've just read. And it goes into some different details. We'll bring some of those out. In the first three verses of 1 Chronicles 15, that David built a house, built houses 
for himself in the city of David, and he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. And then David said that no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to be a minister to him forever. And David assembled all Israel at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he'd prepared for it. And then you jump forward, it gives a big list of names of everybody that he called forward to go with him to carry that ark. Jump forward to verses 12 through 15. He said, and he said to them, you are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites. Consecrate yourselves. Take this serious. We are about to come into the presence of the Lord. Take this serious and prepare yourself. Now, I'm not talking about pulling your own self up by your bootstraps and, and pleasing God with your own works. There's a fine line there when I, get to, when I get to studying too much of this, and I have been legalistic in my life. There's, there's times, especially when I was a younger Christian, when, when legalism overtook me. But that doesn't take away the truth that He is holy. And that when I go into His presence, I don't go flippantly. David said, consecrate yourselves. Now the thing, that, the thing that I still don't know exactly how to say, but the thing that the Lord has been chasing around in my heart over this is that David came to this, and let me finish what he said. He said, consecrate yourselves, you and your brothers, so that you may bring up the ark of the Lord the God of Israel, to its place that I prepared for it. Because you did not carry it the first time, he says, the Lord our God broke out against us. Because we did not seek Him according to the rule. It wasn't just Uzzah that the Lord broke out against. In fact, I, I sit and meditated on that, and I, I, couldn't, I can't find it in the Scripture you know, if you, if you go back and see why the ark of the Lord was where it was, and I, and I recommend that you do, it was a, it was a goofy, bunch of goofiness just about like this. They'd already forgotten about it. But the scripture talks about the, the sons of Eli, uh, Phineas and Ferb that Peyton just read about. And, and the Bible just comes right out and says, these are the sons of Eli the priest, and they did not know the Lord. Well, I went and tried to find a place like that for Uzzah because I wondered who paid the greater price in this situation, in this error. Was it Uzzah or was it David? If, if Uzzah belonged to the Lord, he was the grandson of, of a priest. It's possible that he did. I, I, I bet he heard the word of God proclaimed. And we know that's where salvation comes from. If Uzzah belonged to the Lord, he really didn't pay much of a price there. He went to be with him in heaven. David was left to struggle through the whys and the how comes. But it was in that place of struggling through the whys and the how comes that God brought David into his confidence. It was in that place you know, it says that, that David was angry. And, and there was a time, I know there was a time when I thought he was angry at the Lord. But as I went through this, I, I was, I've been reminded 
of times that, that I have had sin in my life and, and wandered away from God and then was pulled back into the fold and was just so embarrassed that I couldn't even speak to the Lord. I knew, I knew that I had to go before Him, but I had nothing to say. I couldn't speak to Him. And I, I, I can't imagine that if you're a follower of Christ, you haven't experienced that moment like I have, where you know I cannot take another step before I go before my God. But I don't have a word to say. I just want to sit here in the knowledge that you're going to forgive me because this is your work. In the knowledge that you are a merciful and kind God to me. I don't have anything to, to offer you except my sin. That's the place where David was when God brought him into his confidence and said, let me reveal to you who I am. And we see that because when he went back, when he gathered again the people of Israel and said, it's time to go back, then he started that with, consecrate yourselves. We must take this serious. There's something that I have to say that doesn't fit this sermon much, but it needs to be said for my own sake. It needs to be said. At this moment, because, because we, we read this in Scripture some 3,000 years later, we read this in Scripture, but this was, this was a moment in history. I mean, this thing actually happened. There were these, these men and women were there and experienced this. This was a part, you know, I, I go back to, to what the Lord has done in my life. And I, I recall memories and things people said and, and actions I had. The Lord uses those memories to teach me who He is. And that was the same thing was true for these people. So some 3,000 years ago, this was an actual event that occurred. And this is what I need to say for, for my own sake. The Lord Jesus and His Holy Spirit were present there with the Father in heaven at that moment in history. And they were in perfect agreeance with that decision. Because Christ Jesus is holy. And the Spirit of God is holy. And we are all of us. Now I know what kind of preaching y'all sit under. So I, I know for the most part what you believe. Because it's, it's been, it's my, I'm of the opinion that you won't sit under the kind of preaching we sit under daily. You'll either get right or get out. I mean, you're just not going to sit there and listen to that stuff for very long before you either say, who is that guy to judge me? I'm never coming back here again. Or you fall on your face before God and say, I hear you, Lord. I hear your word speaking to me. I repent. So I know what kind of stuff y'all believe. 
But we are all of us, to some extent, a product of the society we come out of. And we come out of a society right now that has feminized Jesus Christ, our Lord, and sissified Him. He is God Almighty, and He is holy, and He wants nothing to do with my sin except to pay for it on the cross, which He has done. That's all. He doesn't think my sin is cute. He doesn't think my sin is acceptable. He is holy. And before I go before Him, before I chase after His manifest presence, before I expect that I am going to get on a spiritual high and have the Word of God flow out of me the way that it does sometimes, and it feels so good to be in His presence, before I expect that, I need to stop and consider, am I right with you? Am I only expecting your victory or do I want you? It is right for the God's people to chase after the manifest presence of God. We need it. We need it for preparation. Your oxen are going to stumble. It is good for God's people to be in awe of His manifest presence, to take it serious. 1 Chronicles 15, 26, when the ark was returned back to Israel. And you remember the account, the, what Peyton was reading there, the, the Philistines captured the ark and they brought it to their temple of, of Dragon. You, and you remember the, you remember the scene. They set it up in the temple of, of Dragon, their God, that they worship. And they get up the next morning and Dragon's falling over. And they said, land sakes, he's out of balance. And so they put some balance weights on his back or something. They stood him back up. And they, and they didn't catch on the first night. They came back the second morning. And he was face down again before the ark of God. And this time his head and his hands are cut off. And so they said, get that out of here. And they take it from village to village. And every time they take the ark of God to one of those Philistine villages, the people broke out in tumors. And then, if you remember, they said, we, we see this and it seems like this God is, is punishing us, but we're still not real sure. And so they, they yoked up two untrained mama cows and said, well, I'll tell you what, these cows have never pulled a cart and we're taking their, their calves away from them. And so if these two cows take off down this road and they don't turn to the left or to the right and they're headed straight back to Israel, then we're going to know that we were right. That this is their God has, has punished us, has stricken us. And that's exactly what the Lord did. Those two cows, it says they went down that road lowing on the way. It went against their instinct to walk away from those calves but a sovereign, omnipotent God created those cows for that moment. And they walked them back. And the people of God saw it coming and said, the Lord's returning. The ark of God is coming. A couple of Holstein cows dragging it. And they, and they slaughtered those cows and they broke up that ark and they used the wood from the ark for the altar 
and they sacrificed those two cows. First Chronicles 15:26 says, "And because God helped the Levites who were carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord, they sacrificed seven bulls and rams. It is good for God's people to be in awe of His presence, to say, "I have asked for you to, to show yourself to me, and now you have answered that prayer. You have shown yourself to me." And I am grateful for that. And I stand here in awe of you. You know the old song, the Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing? It comes from that account. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, it says, Samuel took a stone when that cart came walking up the road. And the Levites were in that community and they said, that's the ark of God. And they made that sacrifice to the Lord. It says that Samuel stood up a, a stone between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now, the Lord has helped us. That old song says, Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here by thy great help I've come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. That was written by a 22-year-old man who was in awe of the presence of God in 1758. 22 years old. I didn't even know the Lord when I was 22. I was a heathen. One last thing and I'm done. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the hand, right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. If you are a child of God today, He is your life. Literally. He is your life. Lord God, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You so much, Father, for Your wisdom and, and the, this plan that, that You have created and carry out every day, Lord, that Your Word comes alive to me and sanctifies me is an awesome thing. It, I, I stand really, Lord, just amazed at your wisdom. Father, I pray that your word has gone out today in a way that glorifies you. I uh, thank you, Father, for this, this past holiday, and for the time that we've all spent with our families and our loved ones, and I give you the glory and the honor for that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon audio from Meridian Church. Please feel free to share this resource with others. We only ask that you do not alter the content in any way. Again, you can find more resources at meridianchurch.com.